welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 18th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 4th, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are starting October. It's kind of crazy to me. Again, as I've talked about, this is the last one of these kind of pre-recorded before my wedding podcast, but it's crazy to be thinking about we're just around the corner from entering into October and for me this has always been a weird time of year within my family there was a lot of birthdays around this time of year and I'm a much later in the year birthday so it was always kind of a difficult time but especially again as I talked a little bit about last week just the color changing of the leaves the changes that we're starting to feel and temperature and starting to see things changing around us it's this time of change and yet here we are toward the end on the back half of Pentecost getting some of these deep readings to kind of help solidify who we are and that's what's kind of fun about this whole thing is as we are going through this growing season of Pentecost we get into continuing to grow and as we've probably started Sunday school programs and different things of that nature depending on how you're doing it right now I know it's a little bit crazy But it's this beautiful time to be growing and to continue to grow roots. And even as we continue to say this is the 18th, the 19th, the 20th Sunday after Pentecost, it's amazing to be thinking about how this is our growing season. So last week in the Twitter question, I asked kind of a specific question of, have you ever considered citizen science? And if you were to do citizen science, what would you do? And it's kind of fun to be thinking about because it's this ability that we all have to continue to learn something. It's something that we see from multiple different studies of continuing to learn is one of the best ways for us to continue to grow and continue to try to stave off whatever memory loss we've had. We talked about that a few weeks ago too. Growing is part of who we are. It's why this race of life is so difficult in a lot of ways because we have to continue to grow throughout our life and we really don't fully know what the end destination is. We know it will happen to some extent, but we don't know when the end destination is coming. So we might as well continue to learn and grow along the road as we continue to go. And it's fun to be able to be part of something bigger than yourself. It's fun to be able to learn something that you're interested in. And it's fun to be able to learn and better understand the world in which you're in around you or be able to better explain something to someone else helps spark that intrigue within them. It's always been something I've enjoyed within myself. And I think it's one of the things that's beautiful about science is that you're learning and continuing to grow and it allows this unique spot that we can really spark interest and spark growth, which is really, really fun. So, Let's just jump into it this week because we have some really interesting text to jump into. The first reading this week is out of Isaiah chapter 5 verses 1 through 7. This reading, as you'll see, does a lot of tie-in to the gospel text, so hang on here in a few minutes. But it's talking about the people of Israel as this vineyard and how They have been taken care of. They have been trying to be in this fertile ground. But then in the midst of it, they've had a lot of disruption. And that's caused the vineyard to have some difficulties along the way. 
and they won't be totally devoured. They won't be totally trampled out. That the Lord is going to continue to protect this and is hearing the cry of this vineyard. And again, the vineyard being Israel. So it's Isaiah here kind of talking in metaphor about the people of Israel and how they've been gone through and enslaved and beaten down in wars and seem to be run over in so many ways, but they continue to have resilience and they will continue to have life, that God is not forgetting them, that God will continue to see this through. But I would argue the more interesting text of the two this week is the alternative first reading, which is from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 4, 7 to 9, and 12 to 20. And this is one of the places where we get the Ten Commandments and talking about this idea of what God has a vision for us, the freedom that he wants us to have. Love God, love neighbor. That's the outline of what God wants our life to be. And if you look through these Ten Commandments, it's doing that. You're having no other gods before me. Don't have an idol before me. Don't do anything wrongful in my name. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your parents. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie about your neighbor. Don't covet what your neighbor has. This is truth to be able to actually bring us more freedom. Be able to bring us into the place and where God wants us to be. And it's wonderful. It's beautiful. And we just have to continue to trust in what God is doing. The psalm this week is Psalm 80, verses 7 through 15. This psalm is kind of helping us remember some of our roots and who we are. So restoring our image of what God is and remembering that he helped us out of Egypt, the people of Israel, that he's prepared this place for us that is flowing with abundance, and yet we still ransack it at times. And when we ransack it, this prayer in the psalm is kind of, God, please forgive us and turn your eyes toward us again so that we can help us understand where we're supposed to go. What are we supposed to be doing even as we continue to fall flat on our face? The second reading this week is from Philippians chapter 3, verse 4b to 14. This is, I think, a kind of famous section here of Paul's Gospels, if you want to put it that way, or his letters, his epistle readings. He talks about his bloodline and how he can track it, but I think the powerful verse comes from verse 7, yet whatever gains I had... These have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Going to verse 9. This idea and going through how whatever Paul was before this is nothing to him because when finding Christ and finding that and putting on that identity of saying that I am a Christian, I am a follower of Christ, 
that whatever that was is nothing compared to what being a Christian is to him. And that as he continues to try to humble himself and walk in the way on where God is calling him to go, that in that he then becomes more like Christ. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. This is an interesting parable, and it's that we have this landowner who has a vineyard, and they've dug it for to make wine, and he leases it to tenants and goes away to another country. And at harvest time, he sends slaves to the tenants, and each time that he does, they're seized, they're killed, they're stoned, so he sends more. And again, the same type of thing. And so finally, he sends his son, thinking that they will respect his son. The tenants see the son, realize that this is the heir, and decide, let's kill him so we can get the inheritance. So they kill him. And now Jesus asks at the end of the parable, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to his tenants? And they think he's going to go through a miserable death. And Jesus then responds, have you not read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush everyone on whom it falls. So that's coming from verses 42 to 44, and they're kind of trying to understand here what's going on, but it's Jesus talking about the Pharisees who he's telling this parable to realize that they're talking about him, but they feared the crowd. So because they regarded him as a prophet and they continued on, Jesus is foretelling his own death. He's using this vineyard idea of different prophets who've come on before to the point where he comes and now he's going to be being put to death. And it's very powerful that way and really hard that way because it's very direct. And it's probably one of the more direct parables in scripture. So before we get into how faith and science come together, we have to do our shameless plug. Boom! Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help bring you this podcast. And especially like right now, one of the things I really love about Working Preacher is not only do they have so many different seminary professors and commentaries from different theologians from all over the country and world, they have this wonderful archive because they've gone through the lectionaries so many times. So, like, as I'm trying to pre-record these, I just go back in the lectionary and look at the last time this was done, able to still listen to old Sermon Brainways podcasts, still be able to look over through old commentaries, and it's been a great help for me to be able to continue to bring you this podcast. So, if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. It's kind of hard ending on that Matthew text this week in a lot of ways because it's very poignant. It's that we, in a way, end up killing Jesus. And we realize, we know from being on this side of the cross, the reason was for our own sake and to be able to liberate us in the long term. But it still hurts. It's a sacrifice. And when we're trying to have this relationship with God and Jesus, it kind of stings to realize that we 
did this. And this parable just seems so poignant that we just don't seem to even fully understand what is going on. When you try thinking of science metaphors, initially they don't come to mind, but there are some that eventually came to mind for me. And I'm going to warn, this week we're going to talk about spiders. And so if that's really hard for you, I'd recommend maybe skipping it, and and I understand. But trust me, we won't show images, and you don't have to look in the links below seeing all the different things. But we will talk about this, and there is an example that I did find that's kind of interesting on how this feels a little similar to what Jesus is talking about here in this parable. Stegodiphus linatus spider, otherwise known by its common name as the desert spider. And it's kind of this interesting spider. It lives in the Mediterranean, Eurasia area, in these scrublands, these nice warm areas. And it has a really interesting, we'll say, end-of-life experience. We'll put it that way. When this female spider has its young, and they're slowly growing, she has this hormone come in her to kind of, I've read in different sources, either kind of puke up or kind of lay these eggs-like structures for these spiders to eat initially, these young, small spiders. And when this happens, it's about three days' worth of food. And as this is going, the spiders will shed their exoskeleton or shed their skin, and they're still needing food to eat. And this spider is, as an adult, a venomous spider, and like many spiders, eating other different small creatures. But when they're the young, this killer instinct, if you want to put it, hasn't been awoken in them. So the mother has all her young kind of in this web and realizing that they're out of food and then does this pretty remarkable thing in a lot of ways. It will kind of circle the web, tapping the web, to start teaching the young, as we can assume, that when they're feeling those vibrations, there is something in the web, and that means it's eating time. When this happens, the young then feel this new impulse of, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do, and start going toward the vibration. As her young get close to her, she leans into them to kind of bring this instinct in further and the killer instinct comes out in the young. The young dig their fangs into the mother and slowly kill her from the inside out. And to the point where it's very interesting on the mother will keep its heart beating as long as physically possible to try to, I guess in a way, be a good mom in the final act of love that she can. She literally gives her life so that her kids can live, so that they can grow, and this is her final teaching lesson. And the young will eat about 95% of mom, leaving just a hard exoskeleton left. And in the videos down below, you can even have video footage of them literally sucking mom dry. This is called matrifachi, or mother eating. And I'll attach some, actually a Wikipedia link to a couple other species that do this. It's not super common, but it is out there. Mom literally laying down 
her life for her kids. When I look at these texts and think about that, how much God has done that for us. He gives us in the alternative first reading this diagram of the Ten Commandments and the Ten Commandments being, I'm trying to give you an outline of what freedom is really like. If you love me and love your neighbor, watch how that's going to change your life. Watch how that's going to transform you. Watch how that's going to bring you to these amazing things, this abundant life that I have for you. And as we've listened over the last few weeks, especially in the alternative first reading, how much the people doubted as they left Egypt, as they, oh, there isn't anything to eat, oh, there's nothing to drink. It's really interesting to think about that way. And then so often we come back around to, we realize that God does care. But we get sections of scripture like the Isaiah text where, okay, God, where are you? What are you doing? We feel like we're being trampled and thrown out and just slaughtered. When are you going to hear our cry? When are you going to help us? You promised all this stuff to us. When is it going to come true? The psalm discussing how you have done this, but help us to continue to learn that we need to continue to turn our eyes towards you so that we can actually grow and be the people who you are calling us to be. Paul talks to us in the Philippians text about when we do that, what that starts to look like. But the Matthew text, part of why I feel like it's really hitting home is this idea of Jesus saying, I'm the one here to take this on, to tip the scales, and I have to do it by death. It's the only way. It's the only way I can do this is by sacrifice. I think of the scene actually in one of the Harry Potter books, and don't ridicule me. There's decent story there. And I wouldn't say that Harry Potter is trying to convince you into all these crazy things. But there's one scene in the first book near the end where Harry, Hermione, and Ron are trying to, going through these challenges right at the end. And in the book, they are in first a chess game, then a potion room. And both times, there has to be sacrifice. And they realize that Harry is has to be the one that continues on. And Harry, being the loyal friend that he is, doesn't want to leave them, but they encourage him to go. When I think of this spider, I can only imagine what's going through the mother's head. Is she happy? Is she happy that she's able to provide life to them and this lasting life experience of teaching them how to eat, how to kill, how to survive as her final life lesson. She's probably still a little scared underneath it, but realizes that's what needs to be done. Jesus, we see when later on the cross, his humanity come out as, you know, Father, is there any other way? We hear that in Gethsemane. We hear it, you know, on the cross, take this from me, God, and doesn't want to go through this, but then also realizes in the same breath that this is the way that it has to be done. I know we look at, and I can't speak from experience because I'm not a parent, but parenting is a lot of sacrifice. But I'm sure glad that my parents didn't have to go through this type of sacrifice to die for my sake at this point. I really hope they don't have to. It's crazy to me to be thinking about it from that perspective. But that's what Christ did for us. God sent his only son to save his creation, to save these brothers and sisters of Jesus, in a way, brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ then had to go and die 
our brother, had to die for us. And how quick we were to say, no, you know, question, to judge, to say, no, this can't be the guy. And even as he continued to reiterate this, we didn't listen. You know, I think about this desert spider and if it was able to talk to the young and let them know beforehand that this was going to happen, and what would that conversation be like? Would it be similar to our experience in saying there has to be some other way, but yet the spider does it? realizes that that's what needs to be done, no matter how hard it is. Sacrifice is always hard. Change is hard. As we get further here in the Matthew story, as we get into the passion, part of what I would assume the disciples are going through and why they're so scared is there's things are changing and they don't know what's going to happen. But then we get the line here, the hope. The stone the builders rejected have become the cornerstone This is the Lord's doing, and it's amazing in our eyes. This idea that God is still with us in the change. God is still with us as things are changing and evolving and moving forward. You know, for me right now, I'm going through a major change. I'm getting married. And by this time this podcast is released, I will be married. And I trust that God is going to be in that change. We look at it in our own lives. There's a lot of times where things change and change quickly. The pandemic in which we're in at this point, we still have to believe that God is there and with us in this. We can point fingers all we want, but it doesn't do anything. Change happens one step at a time. And when that change happens, we have to realize that trust that God is in the change and the change is for the better, no matter how hard that is. And sometimes sacrifice is one of the best things that we can ever do for another. I'm not saying necessarily a deadly sacrifice, but in order for relationships to work with other people, times we all have to sacrifice to make it work and figure out with those sacrifices, how are we going to work together through this? Jesus goes through the sacrifice to open up a relationship with God. The spider goes through this sacrifice to teach the young how to survive. The young spiders still had to decide if they were going to participate or not. Were they going to learn this final lesson on how to survive? Or were they going to roll over and give up and just say, I'm not about that, mom, which leads to death. We have to realize that in order for us to grow in our relationship with God and relationship with others, we have to be willing to work together. Realizing at times there's going to be sacrifices that we don't like and we have to be okay with that. So the Twitter question this week is, what sacrifices do you need to make for others? And that others can be a direct individual or it can be a group of people. What sacrifices do you need to do to help others? Because by doing that and realizing that you're going to be giving this up, it might also open up additional freedom. That's part of what Paul talks about in the Philippians text. We don't know when we decide and realize that this is for the greater good and this is what God is pulling me, calling me into, of what freedom that's also going to open up alongside. It's not just a negative connotation. There's freedom. Freedom in better being able to have this relationship with God and walking us into maybe opportunities we never would have imagined before. And how often in our own lives we think about that. And to take the spider example, it's walking from a baby spider into adult spider by going through this, what we would see as difficult process. But it provides life for the spider to move forward with life 
Talk about the ultimate way of kicking the kids out of the home. Go, spread the good news. Go and be the spider that you're called to be. I'm not holding you back. I've taught you everything I know. Go, figure it out. That's a lot of what we're called to do in the same way. And sometimes we hold ourselves back. And we have to realize and decipher if God is calling us to do something, then just go. But remember to do it in love. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.